1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Veatch Season. Oh, my, oh, my, pudding pie. What a wild, wild, wild week of free agency we've had going on here. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, Got my amigo, as always, with me, Price Carter, my right-hand man, my, my, my amigo especial. And then also today, we are super, super privileged to have one of the OG film guys over at Arrowhead pride, the maestro himself, Brian Stewart in here to talk free agency with us a little bit. And let me tell you guys, if you haven't checked out Brian's work over at Arrowhead pride, you are missing out. This guy is as dope as they come and his knowledge drops on breaking down plays and just film is second to none best as it comes in the business. And so if you're not checking him out, then you are missing out 100%. So uh, Brian, Welcome to the
0: show today. How are you doing today, man? I would echo everything you just said, Rock, about just feeling privileged to be here. I, I didn't expect uh, to get this invitation midway through the week, and so when I did, there was no doubt. I want to come on, talk to you all about, like you said, it's a it's a crazy week, free agency open, and not just with the Chiefs, so much goes on around the league, but for our our team that we follow that we write about in particular it was an eventful week and so i'm i'm pumped to kind of talk through that with you boys
1: awesome price buddy we haven't talked since uh, our last episode really how you doing man how you hanging in there What how you feeling about this week so far
2: uh you know i'm doing pretty well i would say that this week it's a good thing that free agency kind of happens on a monday and kind of filters into the week. So by the time Friday comes around, we've all chilled out a little bit. But boy, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's just it's so fast paced. And it just feels like every time you open up your phone, there's someone else moving. Um, So this is this is kind of the time that we start needing to put some padding on the walls here, like, because people me included, right? I, I've t- I've tweeted through it a couple of times already, just like, oh God, like wh- wh- they can't go to they can't go to training camp like this. They can't go to training camp like this. Like there's a lot of moves to still be made. There's still a, a draft to happen here. Um, you know, this time last year, Tyree Kill was still a chief, and we were thinking about this wide receiver core of Tyree Kill and Juju Smith Schuster and McCall Hardman is going to be like the best in the NFL. So stuff changes really fast in the NFL. So. Um, Let's all take one collective breath. It was an epic sports weekend. Besides that, like the uh, college basketball tournament was awesome. Um, I've been watching the World Baseball Classic last night. The game against Venezuela was like an epic clash. So it's been a great weekend. Let's just keep it rolling. I tell you guys, literally,
1: if you are freaking out right now, do not freak out. Brett Veach does not go into the draft with glaring holes. It's one thing that I think we've said multiple times on this podcast. We've kind of tried to echo it a little bit in social media, out on Twitter and everything. Brett Veach is all about shoring up holes prior to entering the draft. I think you've kind of seen that with the way that he's, the moves he's made that we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, yeah, it's been a great sports week. I was actually in in St. Louis for work this week, and I'm at a bar having dinner and this lady just leans over to me. We're watching the World Baseball Classic, and she goes, "Manny
2: Machado is my cousin."
1: And I was like, "Oh wow, that's crazy!" And so I just she randomly
2: sitting next to Manny Machado's cousin. Um, she should have picked up your tab if she's Manny Machado's cousin. That man is uh, yeah. like positioned himself really well with some paychecks over the past couple of years. So um, she should have bought your beer at least.
1: Yeah, she didn't. She didn't buy a
2: single. Okay, thing well, then I'm calling. I'm calling bogus. I'm not. I'm just saying that wasn't Miss Machado. Or whatever.
1: Well, it was his cousin, so she's like, maybe she, her last name's not even Machado, you know? Brian, what do you think? Should she at least buy me a beer she's going to throw out and name drop Manny Machado?
0: I think that requires you to do some digging that you probably didn't feel comfortable doing. Like, you didn't want to say, well, do you talk to him? Do you do you have connections to his Venmo account and things like that that might um, help her make that sort of purchase? But. That that's cool nonetheless, and you know, even if she did make it up, she's thinking, she's on the, you know, on the fly, got some wild ideas. So I I respect it.
1: <laughs> yeah, she. I should I should have asked her like a meet. I should have just start drilling her mother's side or father's side. Are are they estranged? When's the last time you went over to his house for Thanksgiving? Did he invite? Did he show up to your quinceanera? You know, just like just start hitting hitting with the hard hitters. You know, just right off the bat um anyway though but this is not the manny machado podcast this is the uh this is beach season baby we're here to talk chiefs football so let's just get right down into it like we mentioned guys this is a pretty wild week of uh free agency i think the the craziest storyline as far as chiefs fans go is the orlando brown saga has finally come to a conclusion it seems like he may have hurt himself without taking what the chiefs offered him last year and kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit but then at the same time, it's a lot of money for uh, Cincinnati to uh, to guarantee Orlando Brown. I think what was it was a sixty three million that he was guaranteed. I think off the top of my head, I'll dig that up here in a second for us. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, how are you feeling about uh, what do you how you think Orlando Brown uh, uh, fared over there, Price?
2: Well, I wrote about this this week actually, and. Uh, While trying to be as level-headed as possible, I think this might be a rare win-win-win situation for all three teams involved. I think the Ravens probably got the shortest end of the stick moving on from a player who still had some cost control that they more or less got sideways with because he wanted to play left tackle after Ronnie Stanley got injured. They didn't do a whole lot with the picks. Um, in the piece that I wrote for Arrowhead Pride this week, I did kind of detail the players that were in that trade. There's no superstar there. Adafi I always probably the best player, and he's like got like eight sacks in his career thus far. But the Ravens got their picks. The Chiefs got two year uh, two years of cost control play at tackle, league average. As much as we want to, you know, overreact and say it's below, probably about league average tackle play and won a Super Bowl. And for the Bengals, I think this makes a ton of sense. I think what they need is there, there are good players on that offensive line. Ted Karras is a good player. Alex Cap is a good player. Um, Leo Collins is a good player. The problem is, is that they have not been able to get their best five on the field together when it mattered most. Two years ago, that wasn't the case. This year, that was the case. Orlando Brown will show up. He's, you know, he missed one game his whole time in Kansas City, one time his whole one game his whole career. He's dependable, he's reliable, and that's really what they need. They need someone to be there. And yes, he's not the best left tackle in football. That's that's noted. But I, I actually think that that was a really good signing by them. I think that's exactly what they need. They need a nice foundation on that offensive line who they can depend on and count on. And he's going to be there every game for them. And I I would also say. This is not a dig on either player. Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball pretty quickly, probably a little bit more quickly than Patrick Mahomes does. Now, we know who's, who's the better quarterback, but I think that that might play into what Joe Burrow does well, too. So I, I think everyone won in this situation, minus Orlando Brown, probably cost himself some guaranteed money looking at what that deal was that they offered him last year but also he positioned himself well to go get another deal if he wants to. It's very obvious to me that Orlando Brown really cares about playing left tackle. And it's very obvious, obvious to me he cares about getting the bag. So he's positioned himself to do both of those things. I think every team in here is kind of glad that it happened, but also glad that they moved on to where they are now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with, so, so the contract, just looked it up just so we can clarify. It's four years, $64 million. Um, including $31 million guaranteed with an average annual salary of $16 million. That's that's, that's per Um, One thing I'll say with Orlando Brown being so insistent on playing left tackle, I think he might have actually cost himself some money by, because he doesn't fit a lot of people's schemes at left tackle per se. And I think that he he's spoken a lot in the past about the promise he made to his late father that he would only play late ta- left tackle. And I think that at some point, you know, I commend him for trying to live up to that promise, but you know, that promise, you know, he's, 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 he's definitely in his personal life decided for himself that keeping that promise is worth more to him than financial success on some level. Like, like he'll be, going to be financially successful regardless, but I think that he could be more financially successful if he would swallow his pride and just be a right tackle. But he's, he's made that promise to his late father. And so he's trying to honor that promise. And, Whether or not he should honor that promise, that's not for me to say. That's not for us. thats I mean, you can say it if you want. I mean, I'm not silencing anybody. If you want to say, forget that, get the bag, baby, then that's your opinion. But, uh, Brian, are you going to miss Orlando Brown?
0: Okay, you guys both, from different sides of the room, I would say somewhat, said things that I I would totally agree with. And, Bryce, you mentioned all three teams kind of winning. I believe that. I I think there's truth to that. But also, Rock, you saying that maybe he cost himself some money. Well, look at what a guy like McGlinchey got, or even Jawan Taylor, which we'll get into more later. Those Both of those right tackles got paid more than Orlando. If he had been a right tackle the last couple of years, where he might have been more successful, who's to say he wouldn't have gotten a similar or better contract? I totally agree with that. But I've been outspoken really since since he became a chief, that yeah, I'm hopeful that this works out, but I'm I was worried about the scheme fit. You're taking a, a heavy footed player and putting him into a system where pass blocking is the key thing for an offensive tackle. And it's not that it didn't work out. I mean, they they won the Super Bowl. Of course it worked out. But you saw at times throughout the season, especially against the quick pass rushers that you're inevitably going to face. It just didn't quite mesh the way that we've seen, even with players in the past, like uh, an Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, where I felt like they were more of a puzzle piece for this offense that Andy Reid likes to run. And so I was a little worried about, okay, is, is Brett Beach going to say, yeah, we won the Super Bowl. So let's just go ahead and give him his dollar amount, whatever it is he's asking for. And they didn't cave to that pressure. You know, they, they set whatever that line is. Um, apparently it wasn't any more than this offer, I, I don't imagine, or maybe a little bit. And I think ultimately that's what takes us to what, what Price was saying right there, where I think the Chiefs come out of this winners and we'll talk about that more later. And I also think the Bengals, you know, they got better at left tackle. We'll see what happens at right. And Orlando got what he wants, ultimately. He gets to stay at left tackle. He's paid very well. Maybe not what he expected a year ago, but he's taken care of, and his family is too. So um, it's hard to be too bitter, I think, from any perspective.
1: I mean – Honestly, you give me sixteen million dollars a year, and you give me you can give me like what pink bellies for like six hours a day every day for the rest of my life. I don't care. We can appreciate anything you want to be for sixteen million dollars a year. So yeah, it's nothing to scoff at by any means for Orlando Brown. Let me ask you this, Brian. So the Chiefs didn't just lose Orlando Brown at tackle; they actually lost both their starting tackles. Uh, Washington, you know, signed Andrew Wiley for on a three-year, twenty-four million dollar deal uh what's the bigger loss Orlando the brown or andrew wiley for the chiefs from a chief's perspective
0: i'm going to say more cautiously than probably most would would feel orlando's the bigger loss but i don't think it's as as much of a discrepancy as as the average listener or whatever might might think and that's because i view both guys similar similarly in that they're better run blockers than they are pass blockers they're not perfect fits you can't leave them on an island for an entire game like you could with Mitch Schwartz or even Eric Fisher to a degree. But more than anything, like, when I saw Wiley get his bag from Washington, I was really happy for him. There were no, like, oh, man, you know, there's no ill feelings at all. Like, go get that. You've earned it. And with Eric enemy going over to Washington, I think that he was just of greater value – to that organization than kansas city at this point you know the enemy needs a guy in that room who has been there with him and can tell the other guys in the room like hey this guy knows what he's talking about buy in trust his process trust his plan and i think that's kind of where that's stemming from more than even just his play on the field which is definitely starter quality i believe even if it's not clearly not top 10 right tackle, you know, he's, he's a starting right tackle. And I think again, that's one of those situations where everybody wins uh, in the end.
1: I think I agree with you. Um, I think that, you know, obviously I think because Andrew Wiley wasn't demanding that big bag or didn't turned down that big bag from the Chiefs like Orlando Brown Jr. did. A lot of fans are more like, good for you, young man. Good for you. Way to go. Way to go get your, go get, go and get paid. Um Price, what do you think? What are you thinking about, man? Is uh, Andrew Wiley a bigger loss or Orlando Brown and how are you feeling about it?
2: You know, I think it's actually kind of easy to lump these next kind of free agents that all the Chiefs lost in the same place. Um, Andrew Wiley, Juan Thornhill, Gigi Smith-Schuster, I feel like all those guys, you you didn't want to dismiss the idea of them coming back to the Chiefs, because what they brought was continuity and familiarity with the offense and the defense, but none of them were instrumental into the Chiefs going and winning a Super Bowl. Obviously, Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley combined did play a huge part in that, but I don't think any one player there was just a player you could not lose. I think honestly, the biggest thing here is losing all of them combined, is a little worrisome. Um, you know, I, I, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter earlier this week that it's going to happen here in a couple of weeks. Someone's going to, some tweets going to go around that says, you know, the Chargers or the Broncos are going to win the AFC West. The Chiefs lost X amount of snaps to free agency this year, and it, that number is going to be a lofty number. First off, anytime you have offensive linemen that play pretty much every single snap, those bias snap numbers are going to be outrageous. Two tackles. you got a safety who played a bulk of the snaps. And then Frank Clark played a big chunk of snaps. Juju Smith-Schuster was one of their primary wide receivers. There's a lot of players there that they're going to lose. So, you know, Andrew Wiley, for example. I would have not had a problem if the Chiefs did the same deal that the Commanders did for Andrew Wiley and said, hey – We've got four-fifths of our offensive line returning. We're going to go do whatever it takes to get a left tackle, whether that would have been Jawan Taylor or if that would have been moving up in the draft to go get someone and say, hey, we've got familiarity, and that matters. And we know that Wiley could you know, kick into guard if he needed to. Not that that's probably a situation that would have happened, but that's possible as well. Um, same with Juan Thornhill, right? Like, Juan Thornhill, the thing is, if he's coming back to the Chiefs, the main thing that you're getting is comfort and familiarity with the defense. Not necessarily the high upside. I think, you know, we've talked about this with Orlando Brown. It's the same thing here. The Chiefs kind of held true to their numbers and what they believed was valuable. And I I think as Chiefs fans, too, it's a terrific thing that other Chiefs players are going and getting paid. Going back from 2019, Tano is getting deals. You know, like players like this are all around the league that are former Chiefs that are going and being good players and other organizations. That's a sign that you're drafting well. So, I, in some ways, I think, I think it's good to see some of these players go out the door and keep, keep the wheels turning. I mean, the Patriots did this too constantly bringing new guys who are hungry for rings. If everyone's got a bunch of rings sitting around and they've gotten paid, they're not hungry. So, keep your core intact and go get the next wave.
1: I think I hundred percent agree with you, um, on that. And I think that the it's important that that you don't like hold it. Like honestly, from me, from professional, from a professional perspective, you know, you want people to, to to improve their own situation just from a human standpoint. You know what I mean? Like, and so, but I got one quick question before we move on from Andrew Wiley, Brian. I'm curious for your opinion on this. Where do you think he plays, and for Ron Rivera over there in Washington? Do you think that they're going to kick? Uh, uh sam cosme in or do you think that they're gonna or they think that andrew gonna end up at guard the,
0: the former there i foresee wiley being the right tackle penciled in and then kicking cosme inside and if for some reason that just doesn't work out then i'm sure they could make that flip no problem but just knowing that he's been the right tackle for kansas city really the last two years and the enemies making that transition I'm going to guess he wants to keep him in that spot. Time will tell, but that's just kind of my feel for it right now.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So moving on, you know, obviously the Chiefs have lost a couple other players. We'll, we'll move through these quickly, but uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the fact, whether or not he's a true wide receiver one, you know, that's, that's up for debate, but he was the Chiefs' leading wide receiver um, last season, and, you know, he had a pretty good year for us. It wasn't anything, you know, off the charts, you know, amazing, but he was a productive player. Uh, for Kansas City, says he moves. He's moving on to uh, New England because they offered him more money and more opportunity. I don't know what's more opportunity than trying to chase chase another ring and win a second Super Bowl in back to back years. So that I think it's more. He just wants to be more the guy. Um, but you know,
2: what do you think, Price? How how big of a blow is that to the Chiefs' offense right now? I've been a big proponent of letting Juju Smith-Schuster go. I personally feel like there's nothing that he's shown this season that couldn't be done by someone else for less money-wise. He's a big name. He was a wide receiver, you know, taking in the first, draft, first round of the draft. Um, it was a definitely worthwhile experiment. I just think that the injuries, the nagging ones that kind of keep popping up, not necessarily the concussions, even though he's had quite a few of those as well those pile up as well, um, long-term as well. I just, there was nothing there that I felt like the chiefs couldn't get somewhere else. And do I think that the money he got from new England was crazy? No, I wouldn't have been upset if the chiefs had given him that, but I'm also glad that they didn't. I think that they can find more elsewhere. Um, and even if that means like, Hey, we're not going to be able to sign another receiver for that, but you know, what if we go give this to a tight end? What if we give this to another edge rusher and really make our pass rush good or whatever? Um, you know, I, I just think kind of more than anything, the most interesting thing was just the money there just kind of stated that the Chiefs really didn't feel like they needed to bring him back and really weren't all that in on it. And also I feel great that the Patriots signed him. That pretty much confirms that he's washed because if the Patriots are signing you to play wide receiver, you probably stink. Um, I Like, I'm being facetious here, but in reality, if he's going to the Patriots, you've got Bill O'Brien there, who I do think will be an upgrade over what they had last year. It's hard to have a downgrade. And – Mac Jones and that offense. I mean, Nelson Aguilar had a great season and then went to the Patriots and has become irrelevant again. I, I just don't feel like there's a lot of situations that we're like, oh, man, if only Juju Schuster was here. Now, you know, the 49ers or the Ravens or some savvy organization like that would have swiped him up. You're like, oh, maybe you still got to the left and we just didn't use them right. But it, it stinks to lose that op- opportunity. But in the long term, I don't think it's a huge deal.
1: No, nah, uh, New England Patriots wide receivers are the equivalent – of Baldwin brothers of actors. Like they are just like, like eh, they're fine. Like, like you might watch something that they're in, but you're not gonna be that impressed with them.
2: Wee woo. I have a wee woo. A slight wee woo. A put pl- a, a player I would have liked to see the Chiefs sign. Former eagle safety Chauncey Gardner Johnson has reached an agreement with the Detroit Lions. They're giving him a one year deal up to eight million dollars. Safety. Woo. Breaking news here, ladies and gentlemen.
1: You Adam will Schefter. hear it. You uh, you you will not hear it here first because we are recording this ahead of time. But breaking news as we speak—that's uh, what we do here at, at on Beach Seasons. We break the hard-hitting stories that everybody wants to hear. Brian
2: Branch to Kansas City still lives, baby, because that oh, was baby, a, that baby. was a team at pick eighteen. A lot of people got Brian Branch going there. Okay, mm. sorry. Back time back to I what hear- we're doing. <laughs>
1: Every time I hear Brian Branch's name, I I get a little bit of Biggie Smalls in my chest. I'm like, baby, baby. You know, uh, but uh, okay. So back to it. Brian, get us back on track here. What are the Chiefs losing from a schematic aspect in Juju though?
0: So every time, the the reason why I thought they were definitely going to bring him back within reasonable financial range was because Andy Reid would get in front of that podium and they would ask, you know, a lot of times it was our own guy, our, our Pete Sweeney, asking, hey, what about Juju? What do you guys think about him in the long term? And he would say, well, I love what he compliments Kelsey with, right? Like he's that other guy where if, if teams are just dead set on taking Kelsey away, Patrick can find him in that short to intermediate area and he can catch the ball. He can get yards after catch because he's really strong and hard to tackle for a wide receiver. But the caveat and the reason why I think you had to make sure that you stood firm on your price is Sky Moore is someone who last year in training camp, they were training him to do a similar type of role. You know, a lot of slot receiver type of work, making those catches over the middle of the field. We saw it during the preseason. We saw it in the limited snaps Sky had this year in the offense I think it's different flavor, right? He's he's not as strong as Juju, but I think he can make the same kinds of plays and add a vertical element and be just a quicker, more explosive athlete. And I didn't want Juju's return to like put a, a pressure on Sky's ceiling. I, d- I didn't want him to suppress that. So I'm glad that hopefully that won't be the case. And now it just becomes like, Okay, we know the Chiefs are going to add a wideout, but are they adding someone to replace Juju? Or are they adding someone to that that will allow Sky to take that that job over and just kind of fill in the other spot that is vacated from there?
1: No, for sure, and I think that's one hundred um, percent kind of where the Chiefs are looking at it. Also, I think that they want to get a dynamic playmaking guy on the outside, like a true number one type of wide receiver. But I think that they're also comfortable with, you know, you expanding Sky Moore's role. Um, even him himself, if Sky Moore has his own uh, YouTube documentary series, um, and in it he said that he didn't know the playbook until week eight. Like it took him till week eight to get the playbook down, and so a lot of the the lack of utilization you saw early on by from his own mouth was because he was still trying to get the playbook down. So next year that shouldn't be an issue, but we'll move through these next two pretty quickly. Juan Thornhill, Michael Burton, Andy Reed loves a fullback. One uh, Thornhill was never really quite the same after his ACL injury. Um, in my opinion, price. What, what's, what's your thoughts? Feelings on, uh, on Thornhill and Burton no longer being chiefs.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, Mike Burton can you know he can take a hike. He went to the Broncos, right? Like he, what a what a clear legacy he had. This the sausage and then the bratwurst, and and he he let it he let it all go to be a Denver Bronco. Tragic. I don't know. We'll see if they use they've they've carried a fullback for way too long. Feels like every year you oh is this the year they just stop using it? We'll see. Who knows? There. Um. You know, Juan Thornhill was a little interesting. I think I think players like Juan Thornhill right now may not have a huge place left in the NFL. Um, Nick Christensen was kind of turning me on to this for AP as well, that kind of the traditional free safety deep center fielder thing is just something that's not really, really prevalent in the NFL right now because of how much too high teams are playing. You don't just have a guy who can't stop the run. You really need two guys who can come in and stuff the run and then also have the speed to go play deep or to cover the tight end or running back out of the backfield. Um, so those aren't one Thornhill's strengths his time in Kansas City was a little rocky obviously no pun intended they're rocky um, but the the issues with the ACL and then there was that time that he just got flat out benched for Dan Sorensen despite all of us screaming for Juan Thornhill I don't know I I, I think I'm again glad he wouldn't got his money I don't necessarily think that it was something that the Chiefs had to bring back and i think this says good things about brian cook that's that's one thing that i'm optimistic here i think that they feel very good about where they are with brian cook especially looking at the other moves that they made later this week kind of points to it like hey brian cook is taking starter level snaps on this team next year
1: yeah yeah no i think so i think brian cook especially if you want to talk about a guy who can come down and play the run uh brian cook his his whole mo is that he's a bit of a thumper um he can he can play um in the box but they really like Justin Reed in the box too I mean they both they've guys they can kind of interchange they, you know be up playing line of scrimmage or drop back and, and play deep Brian Cook's got a nose for the ball I like him a lot uh Brian what do we uh what are, you, what are your thoughts on Thornton Hill and Burton you got a hurting over losing Burton
0: I actually I connected it pretty quick you know Burton spent time at the beginning of his career in new Orleans with Sean Payton. And I believe that that was probably a strong connection that as soon as Payton gave him a call, gave him a a better offer than Kansas city was ever going to. And it was over good for him. Um, We'll see if they get a fullback. I don't think they'll do it unless they find someone they trust to play special teams full time on Juan Thornhill. I think if Spagnolo, if we could, call up Steve right now and get him on the show he would tell us that this safety group they're building is the most versatile maybe he's had since coming to Kansas City and that's saying a lot because you know Matthew was here but the thing is Tyron Matthew he was the instinctive ball hawk and I'm not saying any of the guys on the roster currently are but Justin Reed Brian Cook now Mike Edwards they can all do a little bit of everything and they can be trusted to run the alley. We heard you guys talking about the two high safeties. I mean, you need safeties. If you're going to play that shell who can come down into that alley and tackle and not be afraid and not fail. And they have that now. And they also have guys who can match up with tight ends. No, none of those players I wouldn't say are are tyrant in terms of, They're going to jump a route unexpectedly and and grab a pick. But they're just a little more safe, and they're a little more sound. And I'm excited to watch how that plays out. Good for Juan. He got a nice little deal. But I'm personally very happy about this. I think Brian Cook deserves his shot.
1: You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Stewart said that Juan Thornhill played scared in the run game <laughs> no, i'm joking i'm joking i'm not gonna put that on you he didn't actually say that i'm inferring i'm inferring and reading between the lines okay so we're gonna play so, so we're gonna switch up a little bit here and we're gonna move on to chiefs free agent signings and the new the new players that the chiefs have signed okay so brian juan taylor tell me what you like about him tell me what you don't like about him and tell me if he's an upgrade over what they lost
0: he is an upgrade over what they lost, and that is right tackle or left tackle. It comes down to scheme fit, guys. This is a player who, no, he's not what I would call a good run blocker. I, I don't even know if he's average, but his feet are next level. His feet and the quickness that they possess is what got him paid $80 million, 60 guaranteed to come play in Kansas City. Quite the opposite of what they had with Orlando Brown. And for some teams, you'd rather have Orlando. But for the Chiefs and what they do, Jawan is the better option. And now Andy Reid has somebody who, whether he's left tackle or right tackle, he can say, Jawan, I need you to blog this one guy, whoever it is, for basically the entire game. And they can trust him to do a good job. Not saying he's going to shut that person out, but we saw last year, I mean, I have saw the number floating around. I don't know if it's PFF or if it's beyond that, but 16 pressures in 17 games, that is incredible for an offensive tackle who played in an offense with a good quarterback who, who threw the ball quite a bit. So um, I'm pumped about this. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know if he's left tackle or right tackle. Don't really care because even if he ends up on the right side, like he's going to face Max Crosby, Joey Bosa, so on and so forth, and that's worth twenty million dollars a year if he can handle the job like he he did last year.
1: I I, I mean I think hundred percent. I've seen him some of his off workout season workouts. He's been posted on social media. Also, he he's clearly a a much better athlete than Orlando Brown you know ever could be or ever will be. Uh, Price, what about you? Are you a Joanna man?
2: Yes, I'm a. I was so on board once I saw he caught a 400 pound fish. Jesus, never swimming in the ocean again after seeing that monster. Um, I look this. This has this had Brett V. written all over it. Um, I would like to take my small victory lap and say last week on this podcast I said Juwan Taylor made a lot of sense for the Chiefs. So I will collect my receipts here. But the thing about Juwan Taylor is, too, is there is a clear path to continued asc- ascension with him, whether he's on the right side or the left side. He got coached by a terrible coach, you know, two years ago. And then this year his career really took off with Doug Peterson. He's going to get to take another step here in Kansas City with a great offensive line coach, great scheme. And, yeah, I I, I tend to agree with Brian. I think I would probably prefer him to stay on the right side because that's where we know he's good, right? Right now I look at it, if you're a Chiefs fan, I think, yes, we think that the ceiling is higher for Juwan Taylor and he does things better that we like aka pass protection but I think at this point you're looking at it like a uh, a swap for a swap you moved you're moving one player from right tackle to left tackle Orlando Brown played left tackle for two years for the Chiefs I would say you probably have in your mind Orlando Brown level play at left tackle right now until proven otherwise which guess what if you did that and you didn't get tied up in a player that was unathletic and all the things that Orlando Brown was I, I still consider that a win now the Chiefs still have to solve the right side, but the thing that they gained here the most, I think, is not being talked about enough. They gained the flexibility of Juwan Taylor being willing to play right tackle. He said in his interview where he would go to the right side if he needed to. The Chiefs did not have that before. This gives the Chiefs the opportunity to put their best five on the field. If it's Anton Harrison at pick thirty one, a guy who's played left tackle most of his career, great, Juwan Taylor will go over there and not get you know, not wag his foxtail in anger. Um, you know, he won't stop his Ug Boots on the way over there i'm sorry i'll stop i'll stop with the fashion statements but seriously he won't he won't he won't take off his
1: fake glasses in anger and stare at you look man
2: i'm just saying juan taylor like there's a picture of him like shirtless and he's got abs okay like this man he's he's, he's different right so i it makes all the sense in the world if or if orlando brown resigned for the same like someone put this in perspective and they're exactly right if Orlando Brown re-signed in Kansas City for the same deal that the he signed with the Bengals, we would all be pounding our chest right now and being like, hey look look at this great deal that Brett Veach did a left tackle in the Super Bowl that gave up zero sacks in the postseason, so I, again, I don't think that there was a real winner or a loser here, I, I think the only thing is that the Chiefs gained that flexibility and that matters, and then there's a, a higher ceiling with Juwan Taylor
1: 100%, I think he's an ascending player um, he's you know, he's, he's got the length, the size. He's got everything that Brett Veach and Andy Reid look for um, in an offensive tackle. I think that time will tell if he, can, if he can make the switch. But I think, like you said, the thing that Ve- Veach wants to, wants to be able to do is go in with no holes and be able to draft best available. So if he can t- draft a right tackle then Juwan Taylor is going to play left tackle. If he sees a left tackle on the board, he likes then Juwan Taylor's going to play right tackle, you know? And I think that that is great flexibility to have. Like you mentioned, we're going to move on to uh, the chiefs, uh, other kind of big name sign that they had around the same time as Juwan Taylor, Charles and uh def- edge rusher, who was formerly uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, he's been a rotational guy for them, but, From what I've seen of him on tape, he seems to be a guy who takes great, great lines to the quarterback, kind of plays relentless, uh, got the size that you want, got the athleticism that you're looking for. Um, Brian, what are the Chiefs getting um, in him? I think
0: they're getting their starting edge opposite of George Karloftis. And I know that some people would say, well, you could get better there. Maybe you can. I'm not sure, but that's what I think that he's going to be. And also, we know he has the ability to line up anywhere along the defensive line in a pass rush situation. So if it's third and nine, third and whatever, he can line up over the guard, the tackle, the center, and be an impactful player. And when you have another guy in Chris Jones who's capable of that, and you have another guy in Mike Dana who's capable of that, and... Karloff this to a degree you start to see the vision it, it kind of reminds me of to a lesser extent what Spagnolo had back in his Giants days he had all those those defensive linemen back in 2007 who were technically defensive ends but they could line up anywhere and be effective I think that's what he's trying to build here we'll see if the results are as good as the idea but Make no mistake, they need to add. They need probably two more 53-man roster uh, defensive linemen to be signed to this team. But it's a great start in a situation when they lost Frank Clark. So y- y- you got to get somebody. And I think a at this point in their career is a definite upgrade over the Shark.
1: I think he is, too. I think that he has more juice at this point. You know, obviously, the shark has struggled with keeping weight on and with health and that sort of things. I think you made an excellent point that Brett Veach seems to be targeting guys that have either outside-inside versatility or inside-outside versatility. We saw George Karloftis line up on the inside. We saw Chris Jones line up on the outside. We're going to see the same thing out of of a Menehu I got to get used to saying that last name because I'm going to butcher it every single time. Um, and I think you saw the same thing with Mike Dana. You saw Turk Wharton even line up on the outside. Sometimes, you know, they really want those guys that given them a the situation that they can, that they can line them up anywhere on the line. Um, Price. What about you, buddy? What's your feelings on this? Why do you like it? Why do you not like it? Hit me with it.
2: Well, similarly to Juwan Taylor, they're buying the flexibility here. I'm not necessarily sure that a is who's going to be able to line up on the edge and beat Rashawn Slater in a third and long passing situation with just speed he does pass rush with a plan uh shout out to former arrowhead pride seth Kaiser. he talks a lot about pass rushing with a plan and watching players come off the ball and seeing what what are they doing are they setting up players for later in the game how are they using their hands etc he does that more than like carloftis right now is kind of just straight bull rush and then hustle and effort a I man who's got a little bit more development there However, I'm not sure he's athletic enough that he can just win straight up off the edge, like I said, against a good left tackle and a clear passing down situation. But you now have two players that can both kick out on the edge in the interior with Mike Dana. They've also done that with Carl Loftus. They've also done that with Chris Jones. What I'm hoping is, seeing the Chiefs sniff around a little bit, I believe that they sent Joe Cullen to Georgia's Pro Day. I would love for them to consider the idea of like, hey, we've got plenty of big guys here. Let's go get someone who's totally out of our out of our norm here. Let's sniff around Nolan Smith. Let's go sniff around B.J. Ojolari, a guy who's got the bend and the speed, and give us something totally different on on the pass rush side. And I think maybe you know picking up some breadcrumbs here. Maybe Drew Tranquil is part of that as well too. Like he's a pretty prolific blitzer. We know that they have uh, Leo Chanel who can do do similarish things. I would really like to see them start to utilize some speed off that edge a little bit more. So I I you know. Yeah, this has spags written all over it. The money seems to be fine. I hope that they're confident about his off-the-field situation. Um, It doesn't seem to be something that they're incredibly worried about, so hopefully that's good. Um, But, yeah, I I, I like this deal. And, again, look at the age, look at the ascension, look at the coaching. All these things add up, right? Was on a bad team, Houston, then went to the 49ers, the defensive line factory, and now the trajectory is there. So, again, Brett Veach's fingerprints all over this.
1: I think a hundred percent. I agree with you on pretty much every single point. The off-field thing, it's we. I don't. I don't have the details on it. We don't have the details on it. Um, obviously, it's a serious situation, but you know that's why we have a court system. That's why the the front the the league office has you know has protocols and they and they handle these situations. And so I think the Chiefs usually do their homework on these sort of things. They know what they're getting themselves into. Um, speaking of Drew Tranquil. And Leo Chenal. Um, I could see Leo Chennault transitioning to more of a of a pass rusher for the Chiefs, a guy who kind of goes north-south and goes after the the quarterback. Um, maybe they do like a three-down lineman and then one standing edge rusher, something like that. Um, but Brian, who is Drew Tranquil for the for, for Chiefs fans out there who don't know who he is? What type of player is he and what are they getting with him?
0: I was shocked, quite frankly, when he signed and it's because yeah you look at the linebacker room and it felt like it was as stacked as just about any other position on the team there's not a clear like oh hole you know I yeah the dime linebacker is where I would say Drew fits in he's a pass coverage first guy who offers amazing blitz capability so like when Spagnolo wants to put six defensive backs on the field and have that one linebacker out there in Tranquil because it's third and eight, he can cover with the best of them and he can also blitz with the best of them as far as a linebacker goes. So I assume that that's the plan, but I just think time's going to have to go by here for us to really see the whole picture because I'm I'm asking myself, why would, why would Drew Tranquil coming off of a career year sign a, a deal for a team where he's, it doesn't seem like he's going to play like starting snaps. It seems like he's going to be a supplemental role, special teams. That doesn't really add up to me. And that's why originally I started to worry like, are they about to trade Willie Gay or what's going on here? And we'll see. But if they don't trade Willie Gay, they have the answer to every team they face, right? You, You mentioned Chennault. I think Chennault is great for teams like, the Eagles in the Super Bowl, where you know you need to stop the run. like He can come in and set a tone, and he sure did. But then when you play the Bengals, a team who's destroyed them over the middle of the field, Drew Tranquil is a, a chess piece who can help them mitigate those problems that have popped up in the past where the linebackers have been exposed a little bit for being out of position. So I think that linebacker room is as good as any in the NFL. Like no lie, I, I really feel that way. And we'll see if they hold it together. But as it stands, that's where I'm at.
1: I I think I agree with you 100. I think it, it is a little perilous for Willie Gay. Of all the players who's who's kind of like skill sets, you know the way they line up. Um, that he I don't want to say the odd man out because I think the Chiefs really like him. Um, just to kind of see what they're gonna do with him in general price. What's your, what's your feelings on,
2: on Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay and how, how the Chiefs are going to manage those snaps. Yeah. It's a little, uh, Brian Windhorse meme, right? Like, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Um, I, here's the thing. Willie Gay just doesn't really, it does it he doesn't have a clear defined role anymore. Drew Tranquil does that better than what Willie Gay does. And I mean, I I'm actually very pleased with the Chiefs being willing to admit like, Hey, this is a Brett Veach guy. All these linebackers are Brett Veach guys. He could have easily gotten territorial and said, hey, no, we're not adding to my linebacker room. I've built this from the ground up, and look, it just helped win a Super Bowl. But, yeah, Willie Gay, his athleticism, it, it pops from time to time. But more often than not, he leaves room to be desired in pass coverage. And then Nick Bolton is smart enough and intelligent enough and reads you know, the ball downhill well enough to stay on the field for all three downs. You can't have Willie Gay do that. And then Leo Chanel is the hammer, right? Like, they're, they're all tools. You've got, like, Leo Chanel's the hammer. You've got Nick Bolton, who's, like, the crescent wrench, right? Like, just old, dependable, reliable. And then, like, L- Willie Gay has now become an obsolete tool because Drew Tranquil does what he does better. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I don't think, you know, I've... I've read the tea leaves and seen people say, "Oh, you know Willie Gay to the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins and some picks." It's like, hey, they don't need another undersized linebacker. They've they've drafted two of those here recently. They don't need another one of those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they needed the ability to walk away from Willie Gay, anyways, because they're not. They should not be in the business of paying a part time off ball linebacker, right? So overall, I think I think it's a great move, especially whenever you realize like. For some reason, I had in my head that Drew Tranquil was some old dude. No, this is his first deal after his, like, rookie contract. And reading the reaction of people who know the NFL football just being like, gosh, Brett Veach does it again, all the confidence in the world that this was a great signing. So I really like it. And by all accord, by the way, seems to be a great, like, club, like locker room guy as well, just, like, watching some of the videos of him and stuff just seems to be a really fun personality. So Chief Stephens got better. Yeah, yeah, he does seem to be a pretty nice guy. Um, which, you know, I think Andy Reid
1: likes to have those kind of team first sort of guys in the locker room. I mean, at what head coach does not I say, oh, the head coach wants a team first guy in the locker room. Yeah, every head coach wants a team first guy in the locker room. So that's a stupid thing for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, but so with Drew Crankwell, we see the Chiefs are stepping up their pass coverage at the linebacker position. Um, uh, Brian, whats what, let's just talk a little bit about Mike Edwards for a second um you know for a lot of people might know might not know him that much he's an nfc guy been playing in tampa coming off a career year um where does he fit with the safety room
0: clear cut third safety right you look at the deal he got a a three million dollar base i believe and it can get up to five million that's not starter money in today's league so justin reed and brian cook are the top two safeties. I think they're interchangeable. I think they can do a little bit of everything. I mentioned that earlier. And Mike Edwards is similar. And so now when they do get into the dime and they have all three of them on the field at the same time, you're not going to know where one of them is going to line up at any given moment. And he also has experience as a starter, which he got this year due to some different circumstances in Tampa. So if for whatever reason, knock on wood, Mike Edwards does need to start. He's proven he's capable, but as of now, it's it's the number three guy, and, and that's a valuable role in Spag's defense.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that Spag's, like, if anything, he likes to have depth in his safety room too, especially because you never know when a guy's going to go down, and he likes to be able to have somebody who's going to be able to step in and at least ready to like, keep the ship steady um, a little bit.
2: Um, Price, any thoughts on, uh, on Mike Edwards before we move forward? Not a whole lot. I think – depending on what they think of Nazi Johnson as kind of that developmental, like they've at times carried four safeties. Sometimes it's just three. I don't think I think this is a perfect move because it doesn't hamstring you from going and getting someone if you have a player that you really love. You know, if Chase Brown is sitting there, or maybe you're a huge Jamie Robinson guy, or whatever safety prospect you like, if you feel like you can make the team better, Mike Edwards isn't stopping you from drafting that player. This is very much like Dion Bush was a couple years. Like, hey, this is a good player that's done some things as a defender, but also special teams. One thing I do like about him, he he appears to be a bit of a ball hawk. You know, is might, might risk it for the biscuit a little too much, but. Uh, the Chiefs haven't had a whole lot of that from the safety position in quite some time since Matthew left, so I like that part of it. See, again, these are the type of moves to help you win December and January games when players are hurt, players are injured, and you're relying on death pieces. So another great move. I, it, It's hard to argue with the money in these type of players. It's a great risk. Listen, no risk it,
1: no biscuit, and you can't go to the Cracker Barrel if you don't have any biscuits, baby. So, you know, if you want a country-fried dinner, then you got to go for the biscuit. That's what I think. And so uh, moving on. All right, so free agency. It's been wild. Guys going everywhere, new players, new places. Um, Brian, was there any free agency moves that surprised you this week? (sighs)
0: Um, If I was going to say for Kansas City, it would have been tranquil, but I already touched on that. I I would say Denver has surprised me a little bit with the McGlinchey move. Not that um, – here's why. I look at Ben Powers – Ben Powers at guard was a pass blocker first, and he's a good one. Like, I've watched him play on all 22. He can pass block with some of the best. And I get that because you got a shorter quarterback who you want to keep that pocket spacious in front of him. But then you sign McGlinchey, he's the opposite. He's run blocker first, kind of average at best as a pass blocker. So how that marries up remains to be seen. I think Peyton wants to run the ball a lot because that's what Russell Wilson has succeeded with. But at some point, especially in the AFC West, you're going to be playing from behind and is your right tackle who's getting paid, I don't know, $18 million a year, whatever it is. Is he going to be able to hang with average pass rushers when, when you know Russell Wilson's dropping back? I'm not so sure. I think that's a matchup the Chiefs are going to take advantage of. Chris Jones, he whooped up on him when they played the 49ers last year, so keep that in mind for whenever they match up. But yeah, there's a lot that I could add to that list.
1: Um, I I think there's a lot you could add to the list too, uh, Price. Okay, so moving on from free agencies for a minute, we're looking to continued roster building. What are the biggest remaining needs that you see for the Chiefs on this roster right now?
2: It's it's clearly wide receiver, correct? Uh, it's just the the spot that they are relying on a lot of players who aren't really reliable. MVS wears the invisible cloak from Harry Potter like three or four games a year where it's just like oh, he's he's gone. He's he's not, he's not showing up to this game, and then he'll have one ten and two tutties in another game. Uh, Sky Moore, we we've talked about here before. We don't really know what Sky Moore is just because the Chiefs didn't really let us know. It is you know his ceiling could be way higher than what we think it is it could be way lower. Kadarius Tony injury prone. And Justin Watson's not back. Juju Smith-Schuster's not back. Michael Hardman's not back. Now there's an avenue for two of those guys to come back if they wanted to. I would be shocked if Justin Watson doesn't play for the Chiefs next year, just because he did a lot of things that they really liked. He's going to be a player that's going to be cheap and affordable, and they want that familiarity. He's a special teams guy, kind of a glue guy. So yeah, I it, it's wide receiver. And then I would say interior defensive line Right now, they don't really have any guy that profiles as a nose tackle slash, like, run stuffer. Yes, Dana and yes, who can kick in on the inside, but but they losing Saunders and right now Nadi's not under contract, they don't really have another guy like that other than Danny Shelton.
1: I think I agree. I mean, I guess you could try to bring back Brandon Williams um, a little bit if you wanted to. Um, there's some guys out there, but, yeah, you're right. They don't have a whole lot of just – thick, beefy, you know, Colin Saunders, you know, girth on the, uh, on the, on the defensive line anymore. Um, so we've, we've talked a little bit about free agency so far. So moving forward, we've done, we know the needs, everything, Brian, we know where we're at. What's one move that you think the Chiefs should make prior to the draft? Like what's something to do that you would at least pick up the phone and kick the tires on.
0: Before the draft, they have to add a wide receiver, And this is because Brett Veach, he talks about this every year. He started his his first year as GM. He's looking for those pockets in the offseason period. So, you know, if there's more receivers in the draft and there's less defensive linemen, well, you you probably need to sign a defensive lineman and then let the draft where the receivers are take care of that problem. This year, it's not that way. You know, the edge rushers are going to be there in the draft defensive tackles possibly offensive tackles who can start day one at the end of the first round but wide receiver is it's not the same you know if you you don't get that guy in the first round then you aren't going to have a reliable starter if that so to me um I would start trying for Hopkins I believe he's my my number one choice after that depending on the financial piece odell is an option I, I would want that very cheap very incentive laden and the sneaky one is like a, a brandon iuk which is going to be tough because the niners are trying to win it all but if he's pushing for a salary or something that they're just not going to match maybe you look into somebody like that who is a long-term answer as your top wide receiver
1: i mean i've been ham hit hammering the drum for the chiefs to try to get brandon iuk for a couple of seasons now, I think he, him and the chiefs offense would just, he would just eat baby. He'd be awesome for the chiefs. Uh, what kind of compensation are you thinking? You know, you, the, you, if you're Brett this is Veech season, baby, you're Brett What, what compensation are you willing to give up for each, each one of those
0: good timing? I mean, Brandon cooks today, he got traded to Dallas for what a, a five and a six. Uh, one of them, I believe was next year's draft. So the market is great for a buyer. And to me, that means, yeah, Hopkins is a better player than Cooks, so I'll pay a little more. Maybe it's a four and a six. Maybe it's a three straight up. But I'm probably not crossing that line, especially when you think, like, you're going to have to move some money around. You might have to tack on a year or two to his contract. So I would draw a hard line at their third-round pick. And, you know, if they want more than that, we'll look elsewhere
1: hundred percent. I think that third is as high as I would go, especially with the money you're at to pay Hopkins this year. I think that a, th- a third seems reasonable. I think, th- I think for, for most deals in general, I think, especially given what Brandon Cook's got third is about as high as I would go for, for any of these guys. All right, price, give me one move. What are you, what are you trying to do? And what's, and what's the compensation look like?
2: Well, for the sake of something different, I think we've all kicked around pretty much every wide receiver that exists and bringing them to the chiefs, call the commanders about chase young some injury issues lost a whole season to his acl injury came back wasn't really quite the same guy this past year uh something else that i also like to look for when it comes from trading is incompetent organizations with ownership and etc uh commanders leader in the clubhouse for that this is a guy right like a top five pick extremely high upside when he was right in 2020 was one of the best you know thought of as one of the best young addressers in the player in the league the chiefs do not have a guy that has this sort of profile, and quite frankly won't be able to do it without moving multiple ones to go up and draft the next one. He is at the point now that he's playing out the last year of his rookie deal. I believe they picked up his fifth-year option. So the Chiefs would essentially be training for him kind of in the same place that Orlando Brown was. He had two years left of control, and they can start negotiating contract. Bring him in, let him play next in Spag system, give him a year, say, hey, let's negotiate your contract next year with your fifth-year option. You still have that security of another year of pay no matter what. I feel like pick thirty one and probably you know a couple of swaps gets it done there. Obviously, still an ascending player, a real talent, but there has been some injury questions there. And they just paid Daron Payne. They've got Terry McLaurin. They've just paid. They're paying Curtis Samuel. Um, they still don't have the quarterback figured out. They're rolling into the year with Sam Howell. It just doesn't necessarily make sense to me that they're going to be able to pay all these players and not have a quarterback. So yeah, I, that that was you know you know, you want to talk about like defensive line. Becoming a strength of the team, Chase Young, Chris Jones, Charles Amenu, even some of the role players, Mike Dana, go go grab you a defensive tackle, Amoro Jomo, or someone like that. A little bit later, Kobe Turner, and pff, you've got one of the best defensive lines in the NFL.
1: I mean, you get Chase Young to the Chiefs, and yeah, I definitely give up thirty-one for Chase Young. He's a, he's a difference maker if he's if he's healthy and he's on the field. And I think that. um, I think, you know, you can call it BB and you're like, yo, know, this isn't your side of the ball, but come on, just grease the wheels a little bit for us. Like help a, help, help an old friend out. Like we, 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 got you, you know, on your way over there. Now just remember where you came hey, from, buddy. I,
2: Andrew Wiley and, uh, oh, what was the wide receiver that's covered kicks out here forever? Who went to the commanders too? Marcus Kemp? Yeah. Andrew Wiley, Marcus Kemp for chase, you know, chase young who says no. Well, also, they also have to make a decision on Montez
1: Sweat pretty soon, too, on if they're going to pay him or let him go. And so let's not act like they just have all the money in the world to throw around. And they may be selling the the franchise. You know, thank God the franchise may be in capable hands moving forward. Uh, But, you know, a new ownership might want to come in with just as clean of a break as possible and they might want to have as many contracts figured out and not just not, not have as as many things on their books that are kind of up in the air a little bit and just may want to just have things settled a little bit, which may play in the chief's favor. Um, You know, so we've we've talked a little bit about, about, um, about free agency. We talked about what the Chiefs should do. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to shift a little bit into draft coverage here, but before we do that, we're going to let our good friend, Brian Stewart, our main amigo, our homeboy, Ho oh boy, go before we shift forward. He's got a, other obligations to take care of. Uh, but before we go, Brian, guest spotlight, baby. Anything that you want to talk about, hit us with it. What do you feel about the Chiefs? Get on your soapbox. Let us hear it.
0: All right. So, to the, the fine listener out there, whoever you may be, wherever you might be residing, I just ask, like, Take a second, take a deep breath if you need to, and trust this process as if this franchise has earned that right, because they have. And you got to look at the date. You know, By the time you're listening to this, it's March 20th, March 21st, whatever. We're still over a month away from the draft. NFL teams at this point, besides a couple of guys, like free agency's over for a little bit. We're going to get to the draft. We're going to see what holes get plugged. Maybe maybe it is defensive tackle, which is a gaping hole for the run stuffer. Maybe it's um, pass rusher off the edge. They're going to plug those holes. It's going to look a lot better. And then after that, if there is a little bit left to be desired, before training camp wraps up, Brett Beach has shown he's going to figure it out. Right? Last year it was Carlos Dunlap. We were worried about the edge rush, and and it's July, and he figures out okay, we'll, we'll bring this veteran in and Dunlap contributed at at different times. So just again, breathe with us here and understand they're in a great spot. I would argue no bias from a roster building perspective. I think they're in as good a spot as they have been maybe since Mahomes took over, like their young players are under contract and and are going to mature and, Yeah, there's work to be done, no doubt, but there's time. Like It's not over. They're not playing games next week. I I, I hate to break it to you because I'd love to watch them play, but we still have six months before they're going to be playing meaningful football. And by the time they do, they're going to be rocking and rolling, going to be a great roster. Uh, Knock on wood for health, of course, but uh, we'll be there to cover you at Arrowhead Pride, and, and that's what's exciting
1: killed it baby killed it absolutely you guys heard it right there from the patron saint of level-headed chiefs fandom and the film guru himself brian stewart brian man it has been an honor to have you on this show and just to hear your feet your insight and to talk just chiefs football and free agency with you thank you so much for being on the show today man
0: thanks guys anytime just just holler at me it's been an honor yeah
1: All right, Price, we're gonna shift shift focus here. moving forward to the draft. Today we have a uh what we're gonna do for you guys out there at Chiefs Kingdom, we're gonna we're gonna do a quick uh seven round Chiefs mock draft where we're gonna go uh through every single pick and we're gonna quickly just see how this all might might might, might pan out. You know, we we've talked about the needs, we've talked about where they need to go with this, and then we're gonna see if we can if you know, put on our breath beach cap and uh, figure this out for you. So here we go. We're going to just yeah. dive right in.
2: So for, for reference here, we're using PFF's mock draft simulator here. This is open to the public, by the way. Encourage you to come and play around. And this is honestly how I started getting into the drafts. It's just come in here, pick players. But I don't know. They need a wider receiver. Let's take this guy. Oh, this guy. And then you start reading about him. And before you know it, you're, you're hooked. So, And I think for this draft, we're going to just go – what their straight picks are. So, we're not going to be doing any trade ups. We're just going to let the board fall to us and see what's available here. So, um, we're going to go ahead and start the draft here. And we're doing turbo mode. So, we're going to jump right to pick 31 here, uh, where the Chiefs are now on the clock here. So, a little quick rundown of what's been taken in front of the Chiefs here. Um, in front of us, we've got Nolan Smith and Keely, Keely Ringo were both taken as edge. Bijan Robinson went to the Chargers at 21. Brian Branch. Uh, went to the Seahawks at 20, tackles, Broderick Jones to the Bucks at pick 19, Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Steelers at pick 17, Quentin Johnson to the Commanders at 16, Parrish Johnson, Peter Skaronsky both off the board as well. So basically this – and I don't know about you, Rocky, but this is a trend I see quite a bit. We've got all three tackles off the board and Skaronsky, Parrish Johnson, and uh, Broderick Jones that are guys who stand a chance at playing left tackle. So um, – those are kind of your big three with tackle, and also the uh, big three at wide receiver are gone as well, Njigba, Addison, and um, Quentin Johnston. So what we have on the board right now is some of positions in need, and we can kind of to- hash it out here. We've got Clyde Jakanti, uh, a, fi- a big fan, Rocky UR, of his. Anton Harrison still on the board. Zay Flowers is on the board here at Pick 31. Don't see him here very often. Uh, tackle-wise, we've got Dewan Jones, Darnell Wright. Edge-wise, you got Felix Anaduke Uzama. We've got Will, uh, Will McDonald. BJ a- <clears throat> Ojolari is still available. So, actually, I-, I like the way that this fared for the Chiefs here in this circumstance. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, you know, I like th- the way it fared, too. Um, obviously, I'm a big Clyde fan, but I think that with the way that the Chiefs' interior line is currently looking, they need some size there, and he's undersized as much as I love him um i don't think that he's gonna pan out to end up in a a Chiefs uniform um you know obviously there's a lot of right tackles here but i think given the chief's current situation i think at this pick uh for me anton harrison's too good of a too good of a value to pass up he's probably the only guy who can start at left tackle day one that's still currently on the board in my opinion
2: well let me let me counter you with one thing here Right now, I feel like there is a tremendous cliff after wide receiver four. Once A Flowers goes off the board, I feel like there's a big gap between those next that next group of players. Um, there, This draft has trended pretty well for the Chiefs with tackles. You've got Anton Harrison still here. You've got Matthew Bergeron still on the board. You've got DeJuan Jones still on the board. You've got Darnell Wright all on the board here. I think there's a chance that at our next pick at pick 63 One of those guys is still available. And I think all three of those guys could play right tackle for the Chiefs this year and start. I'm not necessarily sure that the Chiefs are going to have another chance at a player like Zay Flowers. But Anton Harrison playing left and Jawan Taylor playing right is super appealing to me. What do you think? Or should we, you know, do we consider an edge player here?
1: I mean, I think if we were going to consider edge here, we're probably looking at FAU out of – Felix Anaduki Uzoma out of Kansas State or Tuli Tuapulotu to um, out of USC are uh, probably my two my two favorite guys there just because I really like their size. Um, I, I see the Zay Flowers. I see it. Um, he's he's he doesn't quite have the size though. I think that the Chiefs need at wide receiver at the moment, even though he is an electric player. Um, for me. I think it's Anton Harrison.
2: All right, I I think I think you're convincing me here simply because I think the player that is going to make the biggest impact on the 2023 Chiefs is Anton Harrison. Zay Flowers, the projection, still a big part of what the wide receiver is for the Chiefs, and I do think that him and Sky Moore are a little redundant. So now we're sure that we want Anton Harrison, not Dewan Jones or Darnell Wright.
1: I think that Anton Harrison's a natural left tackle, and I think that. That he holds up in space a little bit better all
2: right there's the espn music we're locking in the pick pick 31 is anton harrison we are simming now to pick 33 many things have changed as you can imagine um right now we're going to kind of start sorting at what we're looking at what pff has is their best players available um some names here so i was right matthew Birdron did end up lasting to this pick uh we've got Sam Laporta, uh, tight end out of Iowa, uh, a popular pick by a lot of people as kind of the you know the next big tight end. Jamie Robinson, safety for Florida State. Keanu Benton's still there. Let's go look at what we've got here at Edge. So Andre Carter from Army. I don't think he's really an option. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, uh, a name I really like for the Chiefs, Derek Hall out of Auburn. Um, this guy meets all the spags thresholds plays a really solid run defense. Um, still has some upside as a pass rusher to me. It's either Carl Brooks or Derek Hall there at edge. Um, I wanted to go look here at wide receiver, just see what's available there. So tank Dell, very gadgety player, very small out of Houston, terrific speed, but I, I just don't see him a path to him being a full-time wide receiver at the NFL. Um, and then Michael Wilson, the injury concerns out of Stanford. He's just – I don't feel comfortable relying on him as a second-round pick. What are you thinking here?
1: Yeah, so looking at the wide receiver on the top end there, I, there's, I, Tank Dell, he just didn't run fast enough at the combine to justify his, justify his size by any means. I think that Keanu Benton, I think, is a really interesting name at this pick. But I also um, – I kind of agree with you a little bit with the edge rushers um that we have here carl brooks is a guy who's 300 pounds and plays edge i mean we to talk about outside inside size that, that that's it right there but Derek hall he's he's electric he's a guy who who even though he's here in the second round that he's got he's got borderline first round talent in my opinion
2: all right well it sounds like we're agreeing Derek hall is the pick at pick 63. We're jumping to pick 95 now. I've got some players I'm really hoping are going to be here for us. All right. So I think this went pretty well here. So Tank Dell still on the board at wide receiver. I want to see see what's sitting around at tight end. So Luke Schoonemaker, tight end out of Michigan, uh, has some passing upside, big blocker. Um, But this is is kind of the sweet spot here that I I really think that the Chiefs can get a good wide receiver here. You've got Tank Dell. You've got Michael Wilson, again, from Stanford. He's still here on the board, injury. A.T. Perry, your your very own hard uh, eyes for A.T. Perry. Um, a name I really like, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, also a returner, um, big enough to play X, has played slot. And then Trey Palmer is another name out of Nebraska. Like him a lot. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a little baby, McCole Hardman, as far as the things that he can do. Um this feels like a great place to go, wide receiver. Also, Zach Kuntz, old Dominion tight end. He's on the board here, player that a lot of people really liked as far as his combine performance. Um, looking at defensive tackle, we did lose Keanu Bitten here. Moro Jomo is the name that I've picked up quite often in a draft. Uh, you know, athletic enough that you have some pass rush upside. Kobe Turner is there as well. What are you thinking here, Rocky?
1: Well, so obviously, you know, I am a huge 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 man crush on AT Perry. He's my he's my my guy that I love at wide receiver. But I will say I could be I could be uh convinced to go Jaden Reed. I think that he runs smooth as butter routes and comes in and out of his breaks as good as anybody that you're going to find. He's a, he's, a, he's a terrific route runner. And then Trey Palmer, he's a deep threat, but he stacks he stacks the the defensive backs really well and he gets behind the defense. He's he's a little bit more um, like you said, does a lot of things that McCole Hartman does, but does them much better, I think, than McCole Hardman does them. Um so, but for me, I'm thinking if we're going wide receiver, we're either going AT Perry or Jaden Reed.
2: All right, I think we are going to lean Jaden Reed here because of the return ability. I think he has, kind of fits the Chiefs' skill set a little bit more as a separator rather than a go-up-and-contest-to-get-it guy. So pick 95 is Jaden Reed to the Kansas City Chiefs. Here we are at pick 123. This is a Miami Dolphins pick from the Tyreek Hill trade this is this is kind of the fun spot here we've now gotten one player of every need wide receiver offensive line tackle and edge and now we we're freed up here a little bit to go best player available um defensive tackle is still definitely a need we've got Moro jomo from texas still on the board we've got kobe turner from wake forest uh loop Shootermaker, the tight end i was telling you about he's still here uh hodges tomlinson uh kind of a high upside corner from tcus on the board here then we've got some running backs here uh dwayne mcbride Didn't run at the combine, Uh, kind of a run first, pass block, not so much, or pass catch, not so much, running back. And then we've got Kansas State's Deuce Vaughn here on the board as well. Um, And and there's some kind of high upside ed rushers here. Uh, Jacorian Bennett is another name here, and uh, Ronnie Hickman, a safety that quite a few people liked, kind of a more free safety-ish type of player as well. What are you thinking here, Rocky? Anything suit your fancy? So Dwayne McBride
1: um, led the led the led the country in rushing this year. He is nothing but a production machine as far as um, rushing goes. Um, as well as you know, I, I really I really really like Kobe Turner here. I think he's a great value. If you can get Kobe Turner at one twenty three, I think he shores up the interior on the defensive line and gets you that defensive tackle that you were looking for. Um, you know, and obviously we already went wide receiver, but you can't ever rule out Jonathan Mingo. You know, this would be a good spot for him, but we just took a wide receiver. So I'll probably say he's off the board for now. So for me, I I would say Kobe Turner is probably the pick here. For me, just from a needs and ability standpoint, I think he's safe. I think that he is
2: gonna come in and be and, and contribute from day one. I am going to push back a little bit. I want to twist your arm into various Hodges Tomlinson. Here's why. I think if you're going into this year expecting to get the same production out of a seventh round rookie and Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. I think you you would rather have one corner too many than one too few. I think this is a high upside player. Um, not that, you know, PFF board is actually the the board that the Chiefs followed almost to a T this year. Uh, they have him ranked as a 59 overall player here. He's sitting on the board at 134. And 10 picks later, the Chiefs have another selection at 134. I think Kobe Turner, Moro, Jomo is still there. What do you think?
1: you know i could be i could be uh i could be i could be twisted into Treve, Treveus uh, hodges tomlinson and uh, guess the, the downside get- is he's only a slot cornerback because of his size he's only five nine but he plays a lot like marcus jones did last year coming out of houston he plays with his hair on fire he's fearless he goes downhill whether or not his body's going to hold up we don't know but he is he is electric and he he he, he will attack the ball and attack the defender with 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 no regard to his own personal safety
2: okay we'll lock him in here pick 123 now we're jumping to 134 Chiefs are back on the clock good news moro ojomo kobe turner they're still there deuce vaughn is still there Dwayne mcgride is still there i kind of twisted your arm into there where do you want to go here rocky I,
1: I think we go kobe turner i think we got to get that beef in the middle and i think i like him over moro ojomo okay in that position
2: all right, we're jumping all the way to pick one sixty-seven. This is in round five. Dwayne McBride is still there and still and still Moro Jomo. Um, some new names. You see Abdullah. Louisville pass rusher, Jacorian Bennett, another corner from Maryland. Jalen Monroe Cropper is there. Zach Koontz is still there. I'd be shocked if he was still here. Um, Yaya Diaby is another name from Louisville pass rusher with some upside. Uh, On down the board, we've got everyone's kind of favorite sleeper running back, Keaton Mitchell out of Eastern Carolina. We've got Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, uh, a combine monster here and i wanted to go and check the safety board. Yeah, so safety's been pretty ransacked here. At this point, you're probably just waiting for kind of day later a little bit later picks to go to your safeties here. Most of the predominant ones have been taken off the board. Anything that jumps out to you here, Rocky? You know, i like to i like a running back
1: at this pick. I like I like what we have on the board here with Dwayne McBride and Keaton Mitchell um i wouldn't hate going bryce ford wheaton just because of the side speed combination i think the chiefs need more than one wide receiver also i could be convinced to go with another edge rusher here the chiefs need multiple edge rushers um in this draft and a guy like like yaya Diaby. i think i actually like him more than yasir abdullah uh, i think he had a better combine um, also jose ramirez out of eastern michigan is a guy not to, not to be overlooked. He was very productive from a smaller school. Um, has some juice and pass rush as well.
2: Okay, let's let's go with Diaby because we've got another pick here. In ten picks later, I have a feeling our you know one of those running backs might still be there. And also, I'm not so sure that Dwayne McBride and uh, Dwayne McBride and Isaiah Pacheco fit on the field on the same offense. So, yep, we're we're here now at 177, the first pick of the sixth round for the Chiefs. Um, Dwayne McBride still there. Zach Kuntz is still there. Keaton Mitchell is still here. I'm going to guess Bryce Ford Wheaton is still here. I I love that fit. I think that makes a ton of sense. You're giving the offense two things that it has not had with some vertical, uh, with some size. With Bryce Ford Wheaton, Um, still has the agility here. I love this pick here. Any arguments? At 177, I would run the I would run
1: the card up front for Bryce. Bryce all right, Ford
2: Wheaton. wide receiver from West Virginia, Bryce Ford Wheaton. You are a Kansas City Chief. Now we are simming a lot all the way to pick 216. So this is the tail end of round six. This is kind of a fun little spot here. You've got 216 and 218. So there's just the Giants in between you here. So kind of a fun little spot. You can basically predict what's going to be on the board. Can I uh, Can I guess who you won at this position? Uh well yeah so here on the board we've got a not a not a whole lot of names now that are jumping out to you but there is one name that we all like here and it's Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina running back.
1: Yep yep that's the name I think yep. that I think that's who we go I think that's who you want you're a big fan of Keaton Mitchell.
2: Correct yeah j- just when you watch him move man he moves like uh, honestly the way he glides across the field a little Jamal Charles esque I'm not calling her for, for him to be Jamal Charles. But it does reminisce a little bit of the way that he sees the field and runs. So we're going to take Keaton Mitchell off the board here. And good news, we're right back on the board here. I am going to pound the table for Matt Landers here. He, you know, vertical speed. Or I will also pound the table for Puka Nakua. These are these are my two guys here in these in these areas. Puka Nakua is really smart, savvy route runner, just gets open in space. He's the type of guy that I, I just feel like it's gonna be a player that everyone's gonna be looking around and be like, they got this guy where? And and how? Plus you get the BYU bonus. Big deal with Andy Reid. You know, I I don't hate either one of these
1: guys. And I'm I'm gonna let you choose. Which one do you want? Matt Landers or Puka Nakua.
2: We're going to go with the better level of competition and the player that has a skill set that the Chiefs prefer more, which is going to be Matt Lander's speed. Uh, at six foot, what he did at the Combine, um, that that's really valuable. All right, so we got two picks left here, 250 and 256 here we're basically throwing darts um should always be mentioned here any names here that you want to go and check and see these are basically guys at this point that you're afraid you're not going to be able to sign as a udfa and you want to be able to get them right now so is there a name that you kind of go and look for in these rounds here or a position maybe let's see
1: show me which uh defensive tackles are still on the board here (laughs) not 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 a lot not much okay show me uh show me offensive tackles all right, not much here either. That's really to work with. Okay, let's go back to the best available. Yeah, let's see. yeah
2: and one, th- one thing to keep in mind here too, right, is that we're looking for players at this point that are probably going to be special team contributors as well. That's where a lot of these guys come from. One name that I do like here is Mohamed Ibrahim. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of broken tackles, bigger body. This is a guy that, you know, I think could play meaningful snaps for the Chiefs if- even here in the seventh round.
1: You know, I I would say either go Muhammad Ibrahim or I'm going to offer out Malik Cunningham as a developmental quarterback to back up Patrick Mahomes. I think he's mobile and does a lot of the things that, that Patrick Mahomes could do in the offense. And it's worth noting that, you know, Chad Henney did did retire. We know we know that Andy Reid likes a veteran at backup, but, you know, it may be worth taking a flyer on a guy in the late round.
2: Right. So we'll take Malik Cunningham here. I mean, just a reminder, at this point, these are dart throws. He might not even make it out of training camp. It's not a big deal. Um, Last name here I'm going to advocate for. Daniel Scott was a safety out of Cal that the Chiefs actually met with. Um, Really athletic guy. Has some returnability as well. Has taken snaps as a punt and kick returner. not a run support guy, mainly a free safety, but I think he brings something to the safety room the Chiefs don't presently have on the the roster. Mike Edwards can kind of bring you a little bit of what Juan Thornhill did, obviously at a discount.
1: You know, I uh, I, I wrote about him when he met with when the Chiefs met with him at the combine. He's he's a solid player. I, I like him a lot. He has a lot of missed tackles. If he can shore that up, then he could be a contributor. He's definitely a special teamer though, out of the gate
2: all right so we'll take daniel scott safety out of cow so i'll tweet this out here uh right after we hop up, up the pod but our full seven round mac with no trades here is going to be anton harrison Derek hall Jaden reed trevarius hodges tomlinson kobe turner yaya diaby bryce ford wheaton keaton mitchell matt landers malik cunningham and daniel scott my god just just cancel the season and put the parade in february again at union station because this is i mean what four or five starters right here Mm -hmm.
1: and for what it's worth pff gave us an a because we crushed it that's all we do on this podcast is crush it guys
2: absolutely but yeah i you know this honestly it felt really good for the chiefs in the first three rounds anton harrison being there pick 31 does not happen very often. Derek Hall feels like a guy who's constantly undervalued, and you know. Then you took your wide receiver, your developmental wide receiver. You still got a starter level corner with uh, Hodges, and then you filled you you know you filled the the interior there with Kobe Turner. So I, I like this a lot. You know, and you got some guys, and we got I think on the late, late second half of this draft, we really
1: got some guys who could develop into something special, like Yaya Diaby, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, and Keaton Mitchell. Um, I think that those are some solid guys who early on you might not see returns on but by year two or three they could be solid rotational pieces that could that, that, that are going to make some plays for you deep in the season um uh, but with that being said we're running a little bit long today uh but we wanted to get that out there to you guys like like i said price is going to tweet that out as soon as we get out the pod here thank you so much for hanging with us thank you so much for talking listening us talking to free agency and doing a mock draft that's what we're here for you know, to break down everything chiefs related as we lead up to the draft and in the off season, Um, you know, just, uh, just a reminder, you know, Wednesdays as always, you know, we have the, uh, we have the editor show with Pete and John Fridays. We have the, we have the uh, AP film room and draft room with, uh, with Ron cop jr. and, And his guests, and then always pay attention to the, to the website. We got new stuff coming out constantly guys thank you so much please remember to give us the rate five stars leave us a review let us know how we're doing we love hearing back from you guys as always thank you so much for the privilege of your time and listening to this podcast this is beach season baby we'll talk to you next week have a great one